Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Active Growth Podcast. Today, we're talking about something I call colliding ideas with reality. This is a strategy for planning a business or planning a project that I have found kind of naturally emerge out of much of the work I have done with entrepreneurs and many discussions I've had with people who are starting businesses. See, it's a real shame if you have an idea for what could be a great business, but you kind of stay in that pie-in-the-sky theoretical mode, right? We kind of dream about how great this will be once it's done, but you don't manage to actually bring this into reality. You don't actually manage to take those steps to turn that idea and that dream into a reality. And to be honest, this is quite difficult to do. That is where a lot of businesses fail. And this strategy of colliding your ideas with reality is one way to solve that problem. Now this applies, like I said, to starting a new business, but I also use this very same method for basically all projects I plan. So anything from, you know, as large as maybe planning a new product for Thrive Themes, a new product release or something like that, but down to really small things like, okay, you know, what kind of blog post am I gonna write next? The same, you know, I have ideas for stuff I wanna do. I have ideas for what kind of content I wanna create, but the first thing I do to start taking action on one of these ideas is to follow this exact strategy of colliding it with reality. And as you'll see, there are various ways in which you can break this down. We will talk through the example of starting a business and the smaller the project is you want to apply this to, the easier it is to do. So if you can apply this strategy to starting a business, you'll find it much, much easier to apply it to smaller projects as well. As always, you can find show notes that include links to all of the stuff we mentioned in this episode. And you can find the show notes for this episode by going to activegrowth.com forward slash 29. And you can also find the link in the description of this episode. So whatever podcast player app you have, you can check the description and find the link there. That is activegrowth.com forward slash 29, where you can also leave a comment or leave a voice message to start a discussion with us. And with that said, let's get into today's episode. I'm Shane Milach. And I'm Hannah Vidovac. And something that I've experienced that I'm sure you're familiar with is that among my friends and acquaintances and so on, I've basically become the person to talk to whenever someone is thinking of starting a business. I can imagine it's the same for you, right? I was just going to say, I wonder why that happened. I wonder, yeah, <laughs> like, I it's why. not as if we have a podcast about creating a business <laughs> and stuff. So, <laughs> But yeah, so when this happens, so because of this, I have conversations with people, obviously, about their business ideas. And basically, people come to me for advice and things quite often. And one thing I've noticed is that there's there's certain patterns, you know, in, in some ways, all of these conversations about uh, about these businesses, no matter, you know, they're from totally different people in totally different areas, uh, you know, with totally different business ideas, but somehow, in some ways, the conversations are always the same. So there's these patterns where we always end up talking about the same things, I always end up asking the same kinds of questions. And overall, like the the arc of the conversation is very similar between different people. And that's one of the things that, that, you know, leads to podcast content. When I have like three different conversations about starting a business with three different people and they all end up kind of being the same, I'm like, oh, we should talk about this on a podcast. Apparently <laughs> this is, you know, 
there's some universal uh, truth in here, right? I was just going to say, that's usually what happens. Then you're like, hey, I've had this conversation multiple times and it seems as people don't really know this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So today's topic comes exactly from this. Is one of those things that I just saw is kind of something that I introduce people to again and again. So people who have a business idea, something that to me, I don't really think about anymore. It seems obvious to me, but when I have these conversations, I guess, oh, this is one of the things that's probably the result of, you know, me having been doing this for years and years. It's like I've changed my outlook and, and this is one of the useful pieces of advice I can give people. So that's that's what's happening today. And to introduce this first, I want to give an example or tell a little story to to explain, you know, what the point of this is or, or how I think about this. So imagine that you're planning a hike and you've never done this before. You have no experience with this. You just have this idea of, you know, wouldn't it be nice to spend a weekend out in nature, hiking, seeing nice places and so on, right? And you, you kind of get out a map, you get out a paper map. A what? <laughs> and you look at a route. Uh, well, you know, it has to be a paper map because because these days, you know, like Google Maps will do all of this for you. So so bear with me or imagine that it's the 80s or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you get out a paper map and and you look at, you know, you look at a stretch of, of countryside that looks really nice. And you can imagine the broad strokes of this journey. You're like, oh, you know, here we're going to be walking past the coastline. It's going to be beautiful. And then here, you know, there's going to be this beautiful hilltop. The scenery will be so nice from here. The view will be great. And, and you can look at the map and easily say, okay, you know, what people walk at, what, like five kilometers an hour, what's that, three miles an hour, something like that on average. So, you know, estimate the distance on the map. Okay, that's about two days, right? We will do the half the first day, the second half the second day, no problem. And this is kind of the idea phase and the dreaming phase, right? You, you think of all the nice things that will happen and you kind of make a, a vague plan of how it's going to happen. And this is important. But of course, once you actually start on this hike, like the reality you encounter on the ground is very different from, from this kind of bird's eye view. Because what you don't see in this, in this daydreaming phase is that, first of all, you can't go from A to B in a straight line. Right? It's not a straight road. In fact, none of the paths are straight at all. So the total distance that you have to cover is actually way longer than what it looked like on the map. And you also don't see things like, you know, how exhausted you'll be after clambering up a steep hill in the midday sun. And you don't see that parts of this, you know, parts of the coastline are totally closed off. You just can't go through there because, you know, it's private property or it's a farm or something. And you have to take a huge detour through, you know, maybe countryside that's a, a lot less nice to walk through, uh, a lot less interesting. And again, it ends up basically, it turns out that the reality of walking from point A to point B is very different from what it seemed like when you briefly thought about it. It's it's much longer, it's much harder, and it just and there's lots of obstacles and unexpected problems that come up, right? And so in the end, it ends up being a four-day journey instead of a two-day journey. Nobody enjoys it, right? The, the reason I gave this example is, of course, if you go, if you plan a hike with someone who's good at this, who's got a lot of experience, you go with a good tour guide, they will consider all these things in their plan to begin with, right? So they will have the experience that they can look at the map and they can already imagine all the things that are going to go wrong. They can already imagine all these factors that aren't immediately obvious from the map. And this is exactly what I see happening 
when people think about starting a business. Everybody has this focus is kind of on the big, vague, long-term goals, right? On the view from the hilltop. It's kind of, once I get there, um, this is how great it will be, right? This is what my business will do. This is how my business will change the world. This is how my product or my service will be different and better from everyone else's. You can you can imagine that, and but the mistake is then to think that you can essentially get there in a straight line. Because just like with a hike, it's important to have that outlook. It's important to have that that goal, right? That vision. But it's also important to know, okay, actually getting there, actually taking the steps to getting there, is, is it's not going to be smooth sailing. And the way I think about this is that one of the purposes I have when I talk about someone's business idea is I want to take their ideas and I want to collide those ideas with reality, right? Because it's this collision with reality. That's what happens. That's And it can be kind of shocking and jarring, right? Where you had this, this lofty idea, but then the reality of the things you have to grind through to get there. That's where all these details start emerging, all these problems start emerging. And this kind of collision of idea and reality, I want to facilitate that. And that is. I, I can imagine <laughs> your friends coming over for coffee, starting this conversation, like super pumped up, like, hey, Shane, I got this amazing idea. And about one hour later, they like go down, like shoulders down, shrugging, like walking out, being yeah. like, holy, this is going to be so much work. Yeah, it's, it's true. I tend to be a bit pessimistic. But I, I do feel like, you know, it has to withstand this pessimism, basically. It has to, you know, your business idea has to withstand someone saying, okay, but what about this and what about that? And what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Because if, if you can't even stand thinking about those problems, then good luck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> good luck with your actual business, right? But yeah, this is what we're going to talk about. And so how do you do that, right? So if making this collision between your ideas and reality happen is, is a hugely important step to increase your, your chances of success. So how do we do that? I've found that there are two main components to this, and we'll talk about those right now. Component number one is to create estimates and numbers and projections to try and put a more concrete frame around what you're going for. Let's take a very simple example. Let's say you want to rent a physical space and put a shop there. And the big picture stuff that we talked about before would be, you know, you can easily imagine how how nice your store will be right how 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 great the atmosphere will be and how the vibe of this shop will be and you know everybody will be friendly with each other and so on you have this vision of how this store will be different from other stores right so so what do we do to use estimates and numbers and projections to make this collision with reality happen well there are some numbers that we can actually get so first of all how much will rent cost we can know that for sure we can find out how much does rent cost here and we can also then estimate how much does it cost in utilities, how much will I have to spend in initial capital for, you know, furnishing and inventory and so on. And so then we have like an estimate of costs on the one side. And then on the other side, we can look at, well, what's the profit margin on an average sale? Whatever the thing is I'm selling, how much profit do I take away from this? And based on that, we can then ask ourselves, well, how many customers do I need to get every day to break even? And we don't actually need exact numbers for this, right? Estimates are, are good enough because what's important, the first thing we want to arrive at is to see, you know, what are we talking about here? If I get a dozen customers a day, does that help me break even? 
And then, you know, like estimates, whether it's one dozen or two dozen is still the same ballpark, right? Or do I need to have like hundreds of customers a day to break even? Or do I need thousands of customers a day to break even? And this is very important to know because if you look at this ballpark and you're like, okay, I need I need like 5,000 customers a day to break even. And then you look at other shops in the in the area and they're like, well, none of them get 1,000 customers a day. So this is not going to work, right? So we have to change something about the plan. Now, I have actually a very good example about this because my sister wanted to do exactly that. So she decided that she wanted to do a fabric store in, in Ghent, so in Belgium. And uh, one of the things that she was dreaming about was having these workshops in the fabric store. So she would do like sewing workshops and that kind of stuff. And it's exactly like you said, Shane. She already imagined how the furniture would look like and how people would feel when they came in and which type of, of workshop she would be given. And she asked me what I thought about it. And I asked her like, okay, I, why not? It seems like like a fun thing to do, but would this be viable? And the thing is, her answer was, I I don't know. Like I've never made a business plan, and I think that's one of those um, those problems. What when people think about numbers, uh, they think about, oh, I have to write this complicated business plan, and it doesn't have to be complicated at all. Exactly like you just showed, with, with a few numbers, we can quickly get. To, um, to knowing whether or not this would actually be something that you can do. So in our case, it was like, okay, how many people would you be able to have in a workshop? Like a group of eight people, let's say. And then how many workshops would you give a day? Well, probably two, no more than two. And then, so that's, if you fill them up, that's 16 people. And then what would be a, a normal price for this type of workshop? Oh, so 20 bucks would be a normal price. At that point, you know exactly how much you could make that day. And then, like you said, you take the rent and you take your time investment. Like, are you okay with being there every day and like giving workshop after workshop after workshop? Or was this actually something that you wanted to do part time and that type of stuff? And so we came to the conclusion that this would not be viable. So um, the good thing about this is we came to this conclusion before renting a shop and before actually doing any investments simply by using this very easy calculation to see if the idea would actually work out. And this doesn't mean that she completely give up on it, right? Like she's still dreaming about this, but at least she now knows that she would have to change something in her business model in order to make this actually a, a viable business. An interesting point about this is what you mentioned, which is that this collision of your ideas with reality is going to happen anyway. If you just jump into it and you rent the store and you start advertising your workshops, you're going to find out that your business idea wasn't viable. Exactly. But it's just much more painful <laughs> at that point, right? So, and this is why, this is also why I emphasize this as such an important thing. It's like, this is going to happen anyway, but it can be made a lot less painful and you can avoid, you know, making costly or learning costly lessons by just running through it in your head or on paper um, in, in certain ways. Because it's gonna be it's gonna be painful financially. It's gonna be painful also for your ego, <laughs> because you really believed in this idea, and then just noticing that it's not gonna work and that you didn't think it through all the way like that. That's pretty yeah, pretty daunting. And the thing about being a pessimist here is that yes, it can be 
disappointing to run through these numbers to make these estimates and see like, oh, this doesn't work out. But I would also urge you to see that as an opportunity. It reminds me of, you know, the challenges, the kind of challenges that uh, someone like Peter Thiel, for example, and one of the founders of PayPal would issue this kind of challenge where, you know, basically look at a business and say, not how do we increase profits this year by 10%, but like, how do we 10x this business? What do you need to do to 10x this business? Or another one, I'm paraphrasing here, I don't know the exact numbers, but he had something where he said something like, well, what if you had to reach your 10-year goals in six months? How would you do that? And this kind of thing can be a catalyst for, you know, for innovation and for bringing your business to a whole new level. So if you if you run through these numbers and you see, oh my God, I can't actually do this. This doesn't work. This doesn't have to be something that you then just feel terrible about and you give up. It's this kind of situation where like, okay, I'm clearly not making enough money with what I've set out to do. So how can I, what could I do to double the amount of money I make here without spending any more time in this store, right? And it's this kind of question that can actually lead to some of your best ideas. It's actually why I like numbers so much because they they really show you what's possible and what is not possible. And at that point, you can... Yeah, make that idea come to life and, and see what this would look like in the day to day. And to go back to, to my sister's idea. So for the moment, what she decided to do is surprise, surprise, start a website rather than having a physical business and doing pop up workshops rather than actually renting her own store 24 hours a day and needing to pay for that rent 24 hours a day. Exactly. And this is one of those things, right, where these questions can bring you to, hey, how can I actually do the thing I wanted to do without all of this expensive, complicated stuff? And so that's that's great, right? That's actually a great outcome. Now, we used an example of a physical store because there it's very easy to imagine, okay, you know, the, the space costs money and there's a certain amount of foot traffic here and so on. And I think, so the reason I use this example, even though this podcast is about online businesses, is that with online businesses, there's this huge fallacy that happens where people think that, well, it costs nothing, right? Well, you know, hosting costs whatever, $10 a month or something, and the domain costs $10 a year. So it's basically nothing. And and it's free, right? Everything's free. <laughs> it's like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can get it set up in a weekend. And so basically, yeah, the, the barrier of entry is really low, which makes people often not, not think it through as much as an, a local business, let's say, right? Exactly. Or a real, a real business. <laughs> a real business, yeah. And, and that's exactly a problem. So there, I think it's better to really think of it as what are my costs here, right? What are my costs to make this happen? And to think ahead a little bit. Now we'll, we'll get to, we'll go through an example of how to apply this to an online business in just a bit. But that's just a, a reminder here, right? That even though we used an example of a local store, the truth is that even for an online business, you do have costs. So even if it's just opportunity cost of the time you spend and also just the cost of, you know, you your time is worth something, right? And you can actually end up, if you just assume that everything is free and don't put that pressure of, I have to make a return here on yourself, that's exactly how you end up like tinkering away at your website for years and nothing happens, right? Because you're not putting that pressure on yourself of, I have to get a return on investment here. So we'll get back to that in a bit. But first, let's look at the second component of colliding ideas with reality.
The second component is about knowing the first step. So I want to reiterate, it, there's nothing wrong with having this vision and this long-term goal. With thinking about, like you said before, you know, what the vibe is in your store or how, you know, how your business is going to change the world and so on. That is, I would even say that's vital. You have to have this kind of goal to reach for. You will need that to get through the day-to-day -day anyway. Exactly. But only having that is not enough. So what you should do once you have this vision, you should you should write it down and then you should try to start working backwards from that vision to start breaking it down. And ideally you want to break it down to the point where you know exactly what your next step to take is. So that is what's often missing from this kind of business plan is, okay, what are you going to do today to move towards this? Right, because all our goals are like at the middle distance or further. So it's always like, well, I'm doing something and, you know, it's always like this. It's basically the later problem, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to quit smoking later. I'm going to get in shape later. I'm going to do the things that I ought to do later, which basically means never. We just place it at this middle distance where it can forever be, right? Um, and, and that's what we have to avoid doing with the plans for our business. You know what the best day is to start your new diet, right? Tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's when I always start my diet. <laughs> but this, I, I, I'm not giving any diet advice, so that's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you can do is, if you have this vision, right? You have this vision and you've done the first step we talked about, which is you attach some numbers to it. Then the next step is to put a, a deadline to that, right? When do you want to reach this, the grand vision? So is that maybe a one-year goal or a two-year goal, right? Uh, and I wouldn't put it any further out than that. I think that's, you know, if, if you say, okay, one year from now, I want to have built this or maybe up to two years from now. And then you, you start breaking it down. Well, if I, you know, if I have this website and I employ three people and I have all these products and all this stuff happening two years from now, where do I need to be one year from now, right? How much revenue do I have to be making? How many products do I have to be selling and so on? And then, okay, and then further back, if, if that's where I need to be one year from now, where do I need to be six months from now, three months from now, at the end of this month, at the end of this week? Now, when you do this, you will probably get some feelings of anxiety. And that is a good thing <laughs> because that is the feeling when you realize that you're actually in a hurry, right? It's, it's when you realize that if you actually want to reach your two-year goal in two years, you have to get some stuff done today because otherwise you fall behind on the whole chain of, of goals you have all the way to your two-year goal. And, and Hannah, you told me about this when you were working in shoe sales and shoe buying, that you had this thing where if something is delayed early on, you, you basically learned the lesson that you can never you can never make up for that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those rules where it's just like, if you didn't make it, for us, it was very clear in, in sales and revenue. So basically, if that week you didn't hit your, your revenue goals, well, you, you don't make up for it the next week. It's not all of a sudden you will get the double of clients next week. It's just lost. So, and this is something that I, I like to keep in mind because it's one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, I was supposed to launch my product in January, but I'm going to do it in February anyway. And people, they 
don't adjust the rest of their goals, which is a huge mistake because if you missed out on January sales, like you're not going to make up for that in February. It's just lost. <laughs> and this is basically scary to think about because we like to think that, oh, it's fine. You know, I'm a bit late on this, but I'll make up for it later. And in fact, we, we think like that about many things, right? It's, we think like that about sleep, for example, right? You're like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep today, but it's fine. I'll catch up later. We don't like to acknowledge that, that, you know, being uh, sleep deprived can affect us for days on end, right? And the same thing with a business, right? Where we like to think that, oh yeah, I'm late now, but it's fine, right? My two-year goal is still intact. I'll make up for it later, but no. And it's scary to think that, that if I'm not on point now, if I'm not shipping what I need to ship now, I'm basically pushing back my entire, you know, all of my goals are being pushed back. Everything is being pushed back later. So it's like this weight of responsibility of, oh my God, I have to actually do something today in order to stay on track. But like I said, this might feel unpleasant to do, but I think this is very important. You have to get to the point where, first of all, it's very clear to you what steps you need to take next. But secondly, where you really feel that pressure, you really feel like if I'm not doing this stuff today and this week, then I'm jeopardizing my entire plan. So by now, we hope that you who's listening to this podcast is feeling pretty uncomfortable about this. Which is which is basically one of our main goals in this podcast. <laughs> well, it's kind of true, right? We try to push you out of your comfort zone. And this is this is an example of that. Exactly. But it's also it, it will feel good once you get to that goal. Right. So um, don't <laughs> don't just stop listening and watch television. That would be a pity. That, exactly. That would be very counterproductive. Now, now, you know, now, you know, everything depends on what you do today. So it's too late. You can't escape into, into TV or YouTube anymore. <laughs> so having said that, those are the two components we talked about. So creating estimates, putting numbers to things, and then breaking things down so that you get to the point where you know the next steps to take. So let's look at an example that is more in line with what we have talked about on this podcast, which is creating an online course. So think of the, the process we've laid out so far in this podcast, which, and if you haven't listened to the earlier episodes, go back and do that. We've laid out a process that you know helps you come up with the right idea, validate that idea, start making money um, and all that stuff and leads to creating an online course or an information product. So if we if we kind of follow that path and apply today's lesson to it, then we start with the daydreaming uh, about the grand vision kind of part where we think about, okay, what do we want this online course to look like, right? What, and the important thing to think about here is what kind of experience do I want to create for my customers? I think that's one of the most important questions, right? What, how is the experience that my customers will have? How is that a good experience and how is it better than what they get in, in other similar courses? That's part of the grand vision. And there's also, there should also be some financial goal. Most people, when they think about creating an online course, part of it is to get that passive income and to get out of the day to day and to be financially free and all that type of stuff, which, okay, sounds cool. And it might be a good goal, but you have to know what that actually means for you. Does that mean that your course have to make like a thousand a month? Or does that mean that that course has to make 10,000 a month? So it's it's good to have this this clear financial goal also that you want your product to to get for you. 
Okay, so now we have this vision, we know what it, what it looks like, what experience it provides and how much money we want to make. And now we put a deadline on it. So by when do you want to arrive at this grand vision? Now here, as a quick aside, if this is your first time creating a course, I would assume that my grand vision will be fulfilled by version two of the product, not version one. So as you know, I'm a big believer of like shipping and improving later. And this is actually exactly what I did. So my very first online course, I released that. I released, you know, the best version I could create at the time. And then about eight months later, I created a version two of it where I redid the entire course based on everything I'd learned in the meantime. And version two was much better. And version two was kind of what I wanted to build all along. It's just that it didn't have the skills to do it yet in version one. So that's, that's just a tip here, which I think can also take some of the pressure off, right? Because if you have a grand vision, if you're very ambitious, you might not have the skills to make that happen yet. And so take into account that you can and you should very much, you know, launch something and start making money before you reach that goal of perfection, basically, right? And you can put that into your planning where you say, okay, you know, here I'm going to start with, like we talked about on earlier episodes with some coaching and I'm already going to make some money. Then I'm going to create the first version of my product and sell that. Then I'm going to create the second version and so on. That can be part of your plan and I encourage that. So that is how you can put a deadline or multiple deadlines on your goal, right? So you say, okay, the version two is out here on my timeline, version one is closer, the first coaching clients are closer and so on and so forth. So then you wanna keep breaking that down and ask yourself, well, what do you have to get done? Like we talked about this week and this month in order to be in line and on track with these goals. Um, and that could include things like, you know, what kind of marketing things do you have to start doing right now? Can you start building relationships with people who you might want to work together with at a later point, you know, can you start doing that now? Can you start getting in touch with some people now? What things do you still have to learn? Maybe, maybe there's some skills you have to build in this time, you know, to get to your grand vision and, and think about what are all the moving parts of making this happen that you can and need to take care of starting right now. And part of that, if you follow our method, is to start reaching out to people, start having conversations with people, start having coaching calls with people, and even start making money already as part of how you build your product. And again, this is something that happens right now. Right? You, can, you can start reaching out to people and getting on calls with people starting today. So when you think about the moving parts, one of the problems is that you you don't know what all the moving parts are when you just start planning this. But that's okay. You you can do this at the best of your ability with the information that you have, with the information maybe that we provide through the podcast, uh, with information that you find online to 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 piece that puzzle together, right? Um, and it will change. Once you start doing things, you will notice that there were things that you forgot about, things that you didn't know that you didn't know, and so that you still have to learn. But that's just how it goes. That's basically when you look at that map and you think that it will be kind of a straight line, and actually it's not that straight at all. So you have to take some detours. So it's okay not to know all the moving parts, but you do want to get to that thing that you can do today to get started, to actually start working on this online course. You know, an interesting thing here is that out of research um, chiefly done by Gabriele Oettingen, she is a researcher on, on like productivity 
And one of the things she found, which is really interesting, and she did a lot of studies on this, was that by preparing for obstacles, it makes you more likely, it makes people more likely to be able to overcome obstacles, even if the obstacles they prepared for are not the same as the ones they encounter. Because like you just said, right, you can't actually plan everything. You can't know in advance what's going to go wrong. That will just basically happen um, as it happens. But interestingly, even if you make a plan that includes, you know, includes thinking about what might go wrong, what kind of obstacles might I overcome, even if the actual obstacles you encounter are totally different, it still makes you more likely to be able to, to conquer them. So that's just an interesting thing to keep in mind. Like your plan doesn't have to be perfect. Somehow just being prepared for things, you know, being prepared for things being difficult and being prepared for unexpected things happening makes you more likely to succeed. That's definitely interesting. I didn't know that it actually like just having a plan B, even if it was not the correct plan B <laughs> and you need a plan C is actually helping. Okay, cool. Now, I want to get back to, to those projections uh, for a second because about the financial stuff, right? Because one of the things that I've seen very often, especially with online businesses, is that people are way too optimistic about the number that they will uh, be able to sell because they don't realize um, what, what really goes into it. So I want to give a very concrete example about this. So let's say that for this online course, we projected a 10K a month uh, two years from now and that we're selling this uh, 997, so basically a thousand bucks, right? So this, you, you, only, you only have to sell 10 courses a month. Now, when you hear this and you don't think about what this actually entails, it, it seems completely possible. You're like, oh, 10 courses a month. Yeah, 10, it, 10 a month, 10 sales. Exactly, like that doesn't right sound now. a lot, right? Um, so let's break this down a little bit more because if you imagine that your sales page uh, converts at 1%, which isn't that rare, like I'm, I'm going to use conservative numbers here, but not at all crazy numbers. So 1% of people. Yeah, to, to think here, you know, at a, at a price point of $1,000, a 1% conversion rate in your sales page is actually pretty good, mm. right? Because, of course, this is really something that, that changes a lot. If you, if you sell it for $10, then 1% wouldn't be that great. But if you're, and that's one of the things that I guess people easily forget is that, yes, you need to sell less of a more expensive thing, but it does take more to get someone to hand over $1,000. So 1% on your sales page, $1,000, 10 people have to buy, which means that you need 1,000 people to that sales page. Now, watch out here. I'm saying 1,000 people to that sales page, not to your overall website. So 1,000 people that month going to that sales page. And let's say that those people also have to be at least a little bit interested by, your, by what you're offering, right? So at this point, you can start thinking, how would you get 1,000 people to that sales page? And one of the things might be your newsletter, because that's something that you've heard many people talk about. It's like, oh, money is in the list, so you need to build your email list, which we, we are the first one to tell you that, right? Like to, to start building that list. But let's, let's go deeper. Let's look at some numbers again, because maybe now you're thinking that you can send an email, a sales email, and then get those thousand people to your sales page. But 
imagine that you have a 5% click-through rate in your email. So which means that 5% of the people who receive the email will actually click on the link and go to your sales page. In order to get a thousand people to visit your sales page, this means that you have to send this message to 20,000 people. Now, how do you feel about those 10 sales right now? <laughs> yeah, and keep in mind, you have to do this every month, right? So you'd have to have 20,000 new people to send this message to every month. Exactly. So at this point, the, the, the 10 sales look so much bigger, but it is way more realistic. Of course, this is like one email. You can tell me that you will send multiple emails and that your sales page is going to do 5% instead of 1%, whatever. You can play around with the numbers, right? But at least at this point, you're thinking about it. And you're not just like, oh, yeah, 10 sales a month. That sounds pretty easy. Yeah. And, and again, this is just about like creating these estimates, right? Because... Of course, another thing to do here is, by the way, is to, is to look at the different steps in your funnel, right? Because maybe you can't do much to get a huge increase in traffic or conversions on your sales page. But maybe what you can do, maybe you can get closer to a 10% click-through rate on your email. Right? Maybe if you test your email copy and so on, there's a lot more to be gotten there. And, you know, that means already that you only need to email 10,000 people which makes a big difference. And then we can take that even further back and say, okay, how do these people get on your mailing list in the first place? Maybe that opt-in form or that opt-in landing page, you run some tests there. Maybe you can double the conversion rate there. And again, that, that reduces the total amount of people you have to shove in one side of the funnel to get your result on the other. So that's, and that's one of the things that you really only start thinking about when you start running these numbers. And email is just one example because Again, whatever your idea is on how this is going to work, right? Maybe you're, oh, I'll have an affiliate program and affiliates will send me this traffic. But again, you have to think about, hold on, you know, what kind of an affiliate can send this amount of traffic? Like who would be capable of doing that? You know, and also then I give them a commission. So then I have to sell more again and so on. But this is just one of the ways in which you can then start playing around with these numbers and get or arrive at a much clearer idea of what you actually need to make this happen. And then again, you can take the conclusions you've, you've gotten from this and break that down into goals and tasks. Because for example, if email marketing is gonna be very important to what you do, then well, you have to figure out which email marketing service to use. You have to figure out how to use it to its maximum effect, right? How do I test different emails? How do I increase my conversions on emails? How do I test my follow-ups and so on? And, and learn about what are the best ways to do this. And also how do I increase conversions on my opt-in forms and so on. So that's then going to be a whole area of focus that turns into tasks that you have to start doing now, right? There's, there's work you have to do now. Or if, again, if you go down a different route and you, whatever, you wanna do SEO, then you have to start doing this SEO work. You wanna work with affiliates, you have to start reaching out and building connections and so on. But whatever it is that you end up with, you have to break it down into what do I do this week to start moving my business in this direction. All right, so in conclusion, everything we talked about is basically, like, like we said before, right? You might feel uncomfortable doing this, but it's, it's this kind of medicine thing, right? It's like medicine, it's unpleasant, but it's good for you because all of this stuff that's happening when you think through this um, and when you do this, when you start colliding your idea with reality, 
all these problems start cropping up like oh my god how do i you know how do i get this many people on my email list how do i find affiliates like that how do i how am i going to put my course together and how do i you know get to the production value i want in my course and so on and so forth all these problems and questions come up and that is actually a good thing right that is exactly what we want that is the collision that i'm talking about and it's that's why i use the word collision by the way because it does feel a bit like a collision. It does feel like you are, you know, your idea is experiencing a train wreck. <laughs> you have to somehow <laughs> sort through the rubble and, and try and keep your business together from it. But this is exactly what should be happening. And at the end of it, if you run through these different scenarios and so on, at the end of it, you might be a bit less optimistic. You might be a bit less pie in the sky. Oh my God, everything's going to be amazing. But you'll be so much more likely to actually succeed. And you might have noticed by now that we're what, I don't know, half an hour in in the podcast or something. And we we did this with this online course uh, business idea. And it took us a few minutes to do this. So it's not one of those business plans. I will do this in five weeks, write everything out type of thing. You can actually take your idea today, this hour, immediately after we finish this podcast and go through this and run the numbers and think about, okay, how, how realistic is this actually? And what is the very first thing I have to start doing to get to that goal now that I have a much clearer vision about what that goal looks like in numbers, in in goals, in, in specific things rather than this just dream vision? It is the kind of thing that you can do or at least start doing on the back of a napkin. Now, Actually, you know, you mentioned business plan here, and I do want to tell another story about this, where I was talking to a friend of mine who was thinking of starting a business and eventually started it. So now he's running his own business. But at the time we were talking about this, and I had this conversation with him with many of the things we talked about today. And I kept saying, you know, you have to have a clear plan. You have to have a plan of what to do next and so on. And a few weeks later, he sends me a document, which is his business plan. And he went out and made a buy the books, you know, MBA type business plan. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, that's not <laughs> what I meant. That's not what I meant because because we are, like you said earlier, Hannah, like we're not talking about a buy the books business plan because really a buy the books business plan will include some of this stuff, but it will also just include <laughs> all this fluff. And, and and you don't need any of that. Like you, you really don't need any of that. Um, I have I have made business plans in the past, um, but I see business plans as some of the early mistakes I made. I've never gotten any use out of a business plan, right? So this we're not talking about creating a business plan. We're talking about, well, you know, what we said is like confronting yourself with the possible problems and building a scenario of what to do next. And that is usually what's totally missing from a business plan is like, what are the actual next steps? So I do want to emphasize that. So now when I talk to people, I'm very explicit about this. Look, when I talk about a plan, I'm not talking about a business plan. Do not write a business plan. That's um, not what I mean. I was reading a book recently, and one of the things that they said was that business plans are only for bankers. Exactly. Because the only time that you actually need like this corporate business plan is if you need a loan from the bank and you need to convince them. But then it actually like nobody looks at it anymore. It doesn't help you in your day to day. Uh, it's 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 really it's not helpful for anybody. 
Yeah. And probably they don't even read it either. It's just like, okay, this person put together a business plan. Okay. It looks nice. You know, they leave through it. Okay. They, they clearly put a lot of work into this. All right, it's, <laughs> it's a PowerPoint problem where it's like, oh yeah, this PowerPoint looks nice. Yeah. So it must be a good presentation. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's like, oh, this business plan looks solid. Like it just looks well put together. So this must be a viable business. Yeah. It's kind of an extension of, you know, you have to show up in a suit and stuff, right? As if it makes a difference. But it's like, yeah, sure. You look the part. Here's the money. We could probably do a full episode about this, <laughs> <laughs> about how to fake it. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair enough. Okay, but that's that's for another episode, <laughs> maybe. So to, to finish this off, let me just also uh, read one of the latest reviews that came in. I really like this one. Um, so that's an Apple podcast or iTunes review by the travel tourist from Canada who writes, there's no doubt I've listened to many other podcasts in this genre and some merit a good listen, but the Active Growth Podcast from day one has provided me with actionable and practical advice on growing your business, particularly an online business. It's been difficult to find a podcast that leads you by the hand and explains clearly step-by-step step how to build your business from the ground up with practical examples. This podcast does that. Thank you, Hannah and Shane. So thank you very much for this review. I, I really like this. And the, one of the reasons I read it is because this really summarizes what we try to do on this podcast. So if you're, if you're listening to this, if you're new to this and you're wondering, okay, is this for me? This review really summarizes what we aim to do and what the point of this podcast is. So thank you very much to the reviewer who sent this in. And if you enjoy this podcast, one of the ways in which you can help us out is by leaving a review like this or by telling your friends about it. Simply, you know, if there's someone you know you think could benefit from this, tell them that they should give it a listen. Thank you very much. And indeed, we read all the reviews and it's really what keeps us going doing this. So I appreciate everybody who takes the time to tell us what they think about this. All right, and that's it for today's episode. Well, actually, let me call back to something I talked about in the intro for a moment. So we talked about how to apply these two steps of creating estimates, doing some, running some numbers, making some projections on a project, and then breaking it down to know the first step and giving yourself a timeline. Right? Those are the two main components of breaking something down and colliding an idea with reality. Now, in the intro, I talked about how you can also apply this to smaller projects, like your blog content or something like that. Now, if you think about this, for something like a single blog post, there's really not that much to do, unless it's you know the first time you're doing it. You know, If you're a content marketer, you've done this a few times, then you can probably just get started with very little of this applied. But if you have more ambitious goals, so if you, if you want to try a new series of content or a new type of content, or maybe you want to launch a podcast, you've never done that before, right? So it's like a project that's much smaller than launching an entire business or opening a store somewhere, but it's like, okay, I have a new idea for a series of videos, or I have a new idea for an epic piece of content where you also start with this kind of goal of what will this be like, right? Almost what will this feel like? What will it feel like for, for readers to encounter this amazing piece of content? As soon as you stretch your ambition a little bit, as soon as you go beyond what you're used to doing, then this immediately starts applying because you can ask yourself, okay, if I want to make this epic blog post that's way better than anything I've done before, how what does that look like right what do i need in terms of resources how much time do i need do i need maybe design resources that i've never used before 
And then again, you can break that down, give yourself a timeline and, and figure out, well, what's the first step? What do I do now? How soon do I have to get what done if I want to get this thing published, you know, by the end of the month or something like that? So I encourage you to try this on different sizes of projects. Anything, as soon as you're stretching beyond your comfort zone, you will feel that you will feel yourself getting into this daydreaming mode, into this into this kind of goal setting mode, which as we talked about is good. And then as soon as you notice that happening, you can apply this strategy in small ways and large ways to help yourself move forward towards your goals. So I'd love for you to try this out, whether it's starting a whole business or a small project and let us know how it goes for you. And you can do that by leaving a comment or leaving a voice message and you can go to activegrowth.com forward slash 29 to get the show notes for this episode and also leave your comment or leave any questions you may have. And that is all for me. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.